0: Hebrews chapter 5, we're reading from verse 1, reminding you that the author of Hebrews is speaking to these Jews that are thinking about going back into... That have, these, these Jews that have, have experienced the Messiah, they've come into the faith, but the persecution is arising and they're thinking about drifting back into Judaism to let the persecution time expire, and then they come back to Jesus and He's telling them you can't do that. And now what He's doing... Is he is comparing the priesthood of Israel to the priesthood of Jesus, and so the first part he's doing is he's, he's he's reiterating something that they already know, which is the priesthood of mankind, the priesthood in Israel. And he says in verse one of Hebrews chapter five, "For every high priest is taken from among men, for every high priest taken from among men, is appointed on behalf of men in things pertaining to God." In order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins, he can deal gently with the ignorant and misguided, since he himself also is beset with weaknesses. And because of it, he is obligated to offer sacrifices for sin. As for the people, so also for himself. And no one takes this honor to himself, but receives it when he is called by God, even as Aaron was." So in verse 1, it says, For every high priest is taken from among men. So that gives us a principle. You have to be a man to be a high priest. Every high priest is taken from among men. An angel would not have been sufficient. Jesus was taken from among men. Now, he's in this particular passage, this particular portion, He's speaking about the earthly priests that were there in Israel. They had to be taken from among men. That was the first requirement, and is appointed on behalf of men. Secondly, there's an appointment that takes place. It has to be by appointment. And you see this again in verse 4. It says, no one takes this honor to himself, but receives it when he is called by God, even as Aaron was. There were several people in the Old Testament that tried to take on the priesthood and the works of the priesthood, and they got in big trouble for it. There was a man named Korah. And in his rebellion, he tried to take on the priesthood. He was jealous of what Aaron had, and he tried to take it upon himself. And it says the ground opened up and swallowed him and his entire family. There was a king named Uzziah. Uzziah took on an act of uh, offering up in the temple something that only the priest should have offered up. And Uzziah was a great king. But because of that act, he turned into a leper and he immediately had to leave the throne and he had to leave separately from the camp, live separately from the camp. It says of, of, of King Saul, King Saul offered up a sacrifice because Samuel had not yet appeared. So he figured, well, you know, Samuel's a high priest. I can do that. He offered up a sacrifice and immediately after that, God said, that's it. I'm taking you out from being king. And he raised up David as being king and he immediately denied the future kingship of King Saul, because of that act. It is, and in verse 4 it says, no one takes the honor to himself, but he receives it. It is something that is given by God. But he says it is an honor. It is an honor to be a priest. That's what he's saying. It is an honor. But firstly, he's taken from among men. Secondly, he is appointed. One has to have the calling. He is appointed on behalf of men, back up in verse 1 in things pertaining to God. So he's appointed on people's behalf. The high priest is appointed on behalf of men in things pertaining to God. So you have this appointment that he is to stand there. This is something that was given by God in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. So the priest was to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. So these gifts are these meal offerings that he was to offer up. And then there were the sacrifices, the sin offerings that he was to offer up. So there's this different types of things that he is to offer up for the people. It says he can deal gently with the ignorant and misguided since he himself is beset with weakness. And because of it, he is obliged to offer sacrifices for sins as for the people. So also for himself. So the priests always had to offer up sacrifices for sins for themselves, for themselves, and then for the people. It wasn't like that they were any different. But what allowed them to do this, it says, he can deal gently with the ignorant and misguided. There's this whole thing upon the priest. Because the priest was a man and was beset with the same weakness of the people, he had to. He could do this, offer things up for himself and then for the people. So what I want to look at now is is just look from this view of the priesthood. You look from this view of the priesthood. These were human beings that had all the struggles that we have. And God has put us in a place where we need to begin to speak on behalf of others. I want to turn to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, to look at a at, at part of this is our role in this. In Galatians chapter 6, we're going to start reading from verse 1. Galatians 6, verse 1. <clears throat> Brethren, if any of you is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and therefore and thereby fulfill the law of christ for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing he deceives himself so look what it says it says brethren if any one of you is caught in a trespass so what he's talking about is believers believers are now obliged because of this because of this pac- passage look what what believers are obliged to do They're obliged to go and to restore the one caught in the trespass, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. So this is not for the world. You know, we have to be very careful about correcting people of the world in their trespasses. This is for believers. Among believers, we are obliged to go and to speak a word into people's lives. And I'll tell you personally, there's a lot of people that take offense by this. But they're believers and I speak to them. And I just speak to them the truth and they're like, how can you do this? Well, I have to do this. I mean, the easiest thing for me would be to say nothing. and That's always the easiest thing. It's the easiest thing for me when I see a presentation, say by someone in my research group, they get up at the the screen and they give a presentation about every six or eight weeks in my group. And the easiest thing for me to do would be to say nothing, to not correct them. Oh, okay, time's up, let's go. That's easy. But I stop them, I say, no, that font is wrong. You changed the font there. You didn't put a period after that reference. Put period. And there's all these little things I point out to them. The structures aren't big enough. The fonts in the structures are not large enough for people to see from the back of the room. When you were speaking, you were not speaking loud enough. Not everybody could hear you. You focused in on one person the whole time. You just looked at me, everybody else felt left out. You have to learn to address the audience and I go through these things. Why do I bother? Why be so picky? I mean, what's the difference? Because it's their job. If they want to get a job, they have to give a presentation. That presentation for a PhD, when they go out, they give a, a presentation. People are going to decide upon their getting the job or not based upon their presentation. That's why I want it to be right. That's how important it is to me as an educator. The much easier thing would be to just kick back and to say, oh, do what you want. Great. Good job. Let's go. No, it's to speak into a person's life. We are obliged to do it. It said in Hebrews, the priest is obligated to do this on behalf of others. It's not like, oh, well, you know, I, I don't feel like doing it. No, that's his job to do that. That's the priest's job. It says, brethren, in Galatians 6.1, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. The whole spirit of gentleness allows us to relate. So for example, before I had children, I was an excellent parent because I knew everything about what I was supposed to do. Because I had attended classes on parenting in the church before I had any kids. So I knew all about kids and I knew if, if you do this, then this will happen. If you do that, then that will happen. I knew it all, but now having had four children, I know that there's a lot of things that are different because children have little minds of their own, and some children have very strong will, and other children are quite passive, and 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 uh, very often somebody will have a very strong will child, and they're like, I, you know, calm down. Your next child is going to be different, and the one. No, kids are like, no, I said, calm down. Your next child is going to be different. You're going to see that they, they tend to oscillate. <laughs> Your next child is going to be different and, and, uh, and, and lo and behold, the next kid, they're like, this kid is so easy. I say, that, that's just it. I mean, kids are like this. This happens. You learn it by going through it and then it allows you to have far more mercy on parents because you see what they're going through. There can be tremendous parents. I know parents that are so tremendous as parents, loving, kind, and their children end up going astray and getting into drugs and alcohol and ending up in prison and all sorts of things. And you can say, wow, a terrible parent. No, I know them to be very good parents, but children can have a mind of their own. I mean, look at believers. I mean, believers get in all sorts of trouble and here we are children of God, What? It's saying in Hebrews, because the priest was a human being himself, beset with the same problems, he could relate to what they're going through. That gives us this spirit of gentleness. You know, I've been there. I know what you're going through. So when a student says, you know, it's, it's really hard, all this lab work, I, say, I understand. I've been in the lab. I know what it's like. When you get a president of a university that himself or herself has never been a professor and never knew, knows what it was like to be down in the t- trenches. And this is just a business. I've seen this. I've been in universities where they've gotten business leaders to be professors and they never really got it. They never really understood what it was like to go through and, and to to have to, to uh, uh, go in and teach and do these sorts of things because they've never lived it. What he's saying about the high priest is, He himself has lived it, and it teaches you to be a lot more merciful. He says, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. And this is what sometimes I tell young believers. They want to go and correct another young believer. And I say, okay, you can do that. But just remember, uh, um, if you have trouble with the same sorts of things, you have to be really careful with this thing. You have to be really careful. So, for example, if if somebody struggles with alcohol and they want to go and, and uh, correct somebody on their drinking too much, you got to be really careful about this. You have to be really careful. He says, look to yourself so that you too do not be tempted. You know how Jesus said that you go to reprove your brother and take the speck out of his eye and you have a log in your own. What allows us very often to see what the other brother or sister is doing is that we ourselves are beset with exactly the same problem. And we ourselves have have lived it and struggled with it. And so I'll give you an example. When I see a brother struggling with pornography, I mean immediately my heart goes out to them. Because I have been there. I have been there. And this is one of the things that really caught me and drew me to Christ. And so I have been there and it allows me to be merciful with my brother. Because I understand his struggle. I understand the pain he's going through. And I can, I can say, brother, I, I'm there. I know the struggles that you're going through. I've been there. I've been there with you and allows us to do this. And, and then he says, he says, we are to bear in verse two, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. There is the law of Moses, 633, 613 commandments. In the Old Testament, 613 laws that Moses gave. There is a law in the New Testament. Thank God we're free of the Old Testament. Jesus fulfilled them all. He set us free, but we are under the law of Christ. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He never said, if you love me, keep the law. The law was the Old Testament. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Here he says, there is a law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens and you'll fulfill the law of Christ. You bear one another's burdens. This is what the church is about. And it is very easy to bear the burdens of somebody that appreciates your bearing the burdens. But the whole thing about Christianity is we bear the burdens of those who don't particularly care for our bearing the burdens or don't really appreciate it. This is exactly what God does. The whole message of Christianity is you're on the cross for me. While I was yet a sinner, the Scriptures say, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't say, turn around, follow me, and then I'll die for you. It says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The hand of the Lord is upon me, the Scriptures say. Why would He dirty His hand with me? Why would He do that? The hand of the Lord is upon me, the Scriptures say. In the book of Psalms, the hand of the Lord comes down upon us. Why would He dirty His hands? He is the one who reaches out to us. He is the one who does it. The whole thing about the believer is that we are the initiators to bear others' burdens. Why do I have to apologize to Him? He ought to apologize to me first, then I'll apologize. Because you're the believer. Because we're the believer. We are the initiators as the priest was the one who initiates on behalf of the people. He was to offer up both gifts and sacrifices on behalf of the other. This is what the gospel calls the believer to. The gospel calls the believer to initiating on behalf of the other. All of us have a role in a priesthood. If you're, you're one day going to be a father or a mother, you have a role in this. Well, that lousy kid, I mean, look what he's doing. Initiated. It is up to the parent to initiate the love. It is up to the parent who is standing as like a priest for that one. It is up to every believer to initiate the love. This is the law of Christ. You bear one another's burden. Bear one another's burden. So the picture that Paul is putting forth here in the book of Galatians is there is a burden. It's not like I'll bear your burden. It's... There's a lot of weight here. You bear a burden. Bear a burden is there's something heavy on your back. You bear one another's burden and thus fulfill the law of Christ. It is constantly, it is a lifetime of on behalf of the other, you are doing something on behalf of another. And very often it is us as believers that is that is the one, we are the one to initiate Asking of the forgiveness. In a marriage, if you're always waiting for your spouse to come and... and well, when, when she apologizes to me, I'll be there. It just doesn't work that way. God has called us both. God has called us both. To, to, uh, um, to bear one another's burdens. He says in, in verse 3 of Galatians chapter 6, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. If you think you're something when you're nothing, you deceive yourself. He says, but each one must examine his own work. And then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. So you think, well, you know, I'll boast about what I do. Well, let's go down and see what Paul said about his own boasting. Verse 14 of that same chapter. He says, but may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which The world has been crucified to me and I to the world. That was Paul's boast. That's what he had to boast about. He says, you want to boast for yourself? Go ahead. But as far as for me, my boast is in the cross of Christ. That's the only thing that I'm going to boast about. The whole thing of what we say, the words that we speak, so that when the high priest is making up an offering on behalf of others, our words have such power. Our words have such power. And I... I've regretted so many times in my life when I've said things that I never should have said because our words have power. So if if you say to a child, like, you lousy little kid. I mean, our words have power. The scriptures say in Proverbs 18.21, Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. If we praise our children and say, I love you. You are a sweet child. They begin to move in that image. If you say that to another person and you encourage one another, they begin to conform into that image. If we say of ourselves, oh, I could never do it. I could never do that. I'm like, don't say that. Don't say I could never do it. The scriptures say just the opposite. It says, let the weak say I am strong. That's what the scriptures tell us. Let the weak say, I am strong. But I'm really weak. Don't say it. Say, I am strong. Why would the scriptures tell us that? Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter one, God calls Jeremiah. Jeremiah says, Lord, I can't do that. I'm a, I'm a youth. How can I do that? I'm but a youth. And God says, don't say I'm a youth because everywhere I send you, you will go. Everything that I command you to speak, you will speak. It's the words. It's the words. This is what the high priest was to do. He was to offer up gifts and sacrifices on behalf of others. You speak these positive words and I hear it. I hear it all the time. And Shireen always reminds me. And I hear it with my own children right there. Boom. Shireen is right there. And she says, no. And she will speak the proper word. She would proclaim the proper word over them. Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. This is what the priest was supposed to do. They were supposed to be the one that was speaking the word of encouragement. The one that was offering up gifts and sacrifices on behalf of others. And they knew what it was like. I mean, if you ever think you're something, I mean, just just start driving down the highway. I mean, somebody's going to give you the universal sign of, I'm not happy with you and and see how you react, see how you react. And all of a sudden you'll see what's in yourself very quickly. As soon as you start, as soon as we start thinking that we're something, I mean, the Lord reveals to us that there's nothing there, that there's nothing there. And you just hope that nobody's filming this. (laughs) I'm going to post it on Facebook of what this Christian did. You know, I mean, Shireen confesses to me. She says, she says I don't drive like a Christian. <laughs> and and uh, God confronts us with ourselves. And this is why we're just like priests, that we have to offer up these things on our own behalf, and then we can do it on others. And it teaches us to be merciful with one another. The same struggles you have, I have. The same struggles. I mean, you you ever go home and you just want to just feel like I don't want to live anymore. Have you ever had that feeling like, man, I'm so embarrassed with what I said. Maybe I could just die today and it'll all go away. Have you ever felt like that? And and, uh, I do that all the time. I mean, I say stuff and, you know, the words are out and what am I going to do? And uh, I've been there. So when people say things, it doesn't upset me that much because I know it. I've said the same thing myself. You know, I've lost my temper lots of times myself. Ask my wife. I mean, she's seen it so many times. Ask my kids. And uh, this is what our lives are about. And we are to be like high, like like priests on behalf of others, bearing on behalf of others. This is what he says. He says. He says. Bear one another's burdens, and thus fulfill the law of Christ. The words that we speak. The beggar in Acts chapter 3 verse 6, the beggar comes to, to Peter and John, and, and Peter says to him, Gold and silver have I none, but in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. He had to speak the word. He had to speak the word. The words has power. Our words have power. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. You speak the positive words. This is what the scripture is talking about. You speak the positive word, even if it isn't reckoned to us. You speak that word. Speak the word over yourself. You know, the, the Lord wants to keep us from this, this spirit of judgment. In, in James, in, in James chapter 2, verse 13, it says, Judgment will be merciless to him who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Judgment will be merciless to him who has shown no mercy. For mercy triumphs over judgment. The Lord calls us to be priests. We're never to say like, no, you're too bad. I mean, there are some families, tremendous people, and their kids just go into all sorts of directions. All sorts of directions. It has nothing to do with the parents, the children have free will and they've chosen to go in certain directions. And you look at it and you just scratch your head. And all you can do is just pray for these people. When you're a parent, you are obliged to pray for your children. You are obliged to pray for them. This is like a priestly position. You're obliged to pray for your children. Every day I will pray for my children. Every day I pray for them. I'm obliged to do this. We are to stand like a high priest. We are to stand like a priest praying for them. To offer up gifts and sacrifices on their behalf. Where I will stand with them. They're struggling with something. I am there. I am praying with them. I am praying with them. And they will always know that their dad is praying for them. And their mom is praying for them. Every day we pray for our children. We are obliged to do that. You are obliged to do that. People under your care. This is what we're called to do. This wasn't just for a bunch of high priests. You know, and it's not easy to love when there's no reciprocity, when there's when there's nothing else coming back. But this is exactly what He calls us to. He calls us as priests to be faithful in giving it out toward others. And this is why He says in Hebrews, He says, as human beings, because you're a person you can relate to what they're going through. And this is the beautiful thing about the Scriptures and the Gospel. It exposes ourselves to us. You know, sometimes you you meet people and you're like, why are you like this? Why, why, Why are you doing this? But as unbelievers, they're unable, they're unable to see their own faults. They're unable to see this. And in the life of the believer, all of a sudden there's a Holy Spirit working. And you can call upon them to look at your own life. Isn't there something there? Isn't there something there that you struggle with? I remember I had a student come to my office. He says, how come you're always asking your students to, you're, you're always apologizing to your students, you know, the people who work with me. Because if if I lose my temper with my graduate, I'm, I'm going to apologize. He says, you're always apologizing. I said, you know, I, I blow it. I said, you know, wouldn't you apologize? He says, just don't blow it in the first place. That's what I do. Oh, okay. You know, and, and this is the beautiful thing about the gospel. This is the, the precious thing about the word of God that we see that this word was not designed by man, was not designed by human beings. This word was designed by God to expose to us ourselves. This is the whole thing, like we took the Lord's Supper today. This is the whole thing is in the service we took the Lord's Supper, how, how it says, let a man examine himself. This self-examination. And it allows us to be far more faithful as a high priest. Because once we see ourselves and the weaknesses within ourselves, and we see all the thoughts that go through our mind, just imagine if you recorded every thought that went through your mind and wrote it down on a piece of paper. Just in a day. Would you post that on Facebook? I just wanted you to see what was running through my mind today. I mean, nobody would do that. You'd have to be crazy to do that. But everyone would be able to relate, actually. Oh, yeah. That could just as well have been my mind. This is what we all struggle with. You know, these, these fits of rage, these fits of anger, and, and, and uh, these fits of lust that we all struggle with. And that's why God says, because He's a man... And He has to offer up sacrifices for Himself. Therefore, He can offer it up and He can be merciful with the misguided. He can be gentle with the misguided. This is what it's all about. This is what Christianity is about. As high priests, we are the initiators. To the world, we are the initiators. If you are mature in Christ, you are the initiator to go and to try to get this situation resolved. You're the one to initiate it. And I... I am so blessed. I remember at one time I was having this, this email exchange. It wasn't a bad exchange, but we we were disagreeing with one another. This was with a campus minister, and this was almost 20 years ago. So none of you know, you know him. He's long gone. Gone on to another campus. And we were having this this disagreement on the scriptures by email, and he called me. He says, I want to deal with this with your voice. Let's, let, 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 and, and I really appreciated his initiating the next step, which was a phone call so we could see that we're not getting hot with one another. We're trying to get at, at what do the scriptures really say? What is the key issue here? He initiated this, and I so appreciated his initiating this with me. This is what we're called to do, to be the initiators to go that extra step to say, let me resolve this. If you're a parent, you are called to go that extra step with your child. You are just called to do it because kids do stupid things. And you're called to reach out and do that extra step. If your parents are unbelievers, then you are called to initiate it with them. You're called to initiate it with them. And, and, and with your, if you have a spouse that's going the wrong way, I mean, with, you know, you might be all angry, but the, the Lord calls us. To initiate this this is what the high priest was called to do because we are weak we ourselves can relate to those who are going through a time of weakness and all of us go through seasons where we're particularly touchy and weak and we have to remember oh the guy's just going through a phase he'll come out of it just encourage him just encourage him. because you go through seasons something happens in your life and you go through a season, and you have to learn to forgive these things and just let them go. Uh, Charles Spurgeon has a has a whole sermon, and I've, I've I've spoken about it before, called "A Blind Eye and a Deaf Ear." Just and he says, my blind eye and my deaf ear are actually my better eye and my better ear. Just let the thing go, let the thing go, and this is what the scriptures call us to. That's why he calls us all to be priests to offer up. Prayers to offer up supplications, sacrifices on behalf of the other. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these brothers and sisters of mine. And I pray, Lord, that you would cause us to speak positive words because death and life are in the power of the tongue. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Father, I pray that you would teach us to speak the positive word to proclaim in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Get up and walk. Before we see walking, we proclaim it. Father, I pray that you would do that in our lives. Father, that I pray that you would take each of us and make us like a priest to others, offering up prayers and supplications on behalf of others. Father, I pray that you would do that. Father, work on our lives, I pray. For the glory of Jesus, work on our lives. Father, I pray that you teach us to be merciful because mercy triumphs over judgment. Teach us, Lord, your ways. For the glory of Jesus and in his name I pray. Amen.